Hello and welcome to DKI Digital Era Entertainment's weekly anime podcast. I'm your host, Joel, and this is episode number 138. Joining me on the line, as always, from Massachusetts, it's Jace. Happy New Year tomorrow, as of today's recording. Well, day after tomorrow. Still day after tomorrow. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, it all depends on the time zone you're living in, too. Eh, that's fair. Time zones are weird. And also yeah. joining us on the line, who isn't normally live on the line, but who is actually always here with us, it's Neo Ivan. Hello. Hello, Neo Ivan. Welcome on in. It's been a while since you've been here that uh, even though you are our faithful audio engineer behind the scenes every week, we wanted to bring you on this week because it is finally time, everyone. This is the last show of 2022, and you know what that means. It is time for our Anime of the Year podcast. Every year we do a Anime of the Year video. It's going to be released on New Year's D, pending uh, any final snafus. But uh, we're currently on track to have that ready for New Year's D. And what we do in that video is that's the presentation. That's the showcase. It's usually about, you know, 10, 15-ish minute video. And it's pretty succinct on everything. But we like to do this extra podcast at the end of the year to really get into the nitty gritty of how we decided on our list and to really be able to give a bit more personal, perhaps, commentary on the different shows that really just stood out for us for the year. Now, here at Digital Era Entertainment, we use an entirely unscientific method to determine our anime of the year. We have everyone involved, and that shifts by year. Usually it's been the hosts, uh, but this year, John watched a whole bunch of anime, so we wanted his input too. And we all just put in a list of what are our personal top tens, along with six or so honorable mentions. And then Jason and I sat down and we essentially hashed things out and looked at, all right, based on the three of our rankings, where do things sort of average out to? But then also we do a little bit of negotiation historically. And like, all right, if there's a show that somebody really, really likes and feels really strongly about and another isn't quite sure about, or if they just haven't seen that, we might say, all right, we know this one means a lot to you, so we're going to bump it up a thing. But then in exchange, this person who has this other show that they like gets to have that bumped there. And there's never a real level of consistency or, like I said, scientific method to it. But it's worked out. And as always, this is our list that we mostly base it on our personal preferences, but also while combining in recognition of technical excellence and that uh, we allow personal perhaps not bias but we let each person come to the table and just say what their what their preferences are what their top 10 and honorable yeah their tastes are that uh we don't say all right you have to approach this from the perspective of a art critic and completely remove yourself because that's bull in my case this is not us trying to be an academy we are doing the digital era entertainment top 10 list not the, you know... Un- Something for everybody. Yeah. So, uh, I guess, let's just start with some of the honorable mentions. Now, the honorable mentions that we will have in our final video, in no particular order, are Love After World Domination, Licorice Recoil, Heroines Run the Show, Awashi, Urusei Yatsura, and your boy Kong Ming. Now, since these are not ranked, 
You can just sort of, folks, throw out anything that you're interested in there or even honorable mentions that didn't make the list. I'm more than happy to say, all right, you know, this was one that almost made the honorables and just for one reason or another got bumped out. And if you want to give that little final shout out to a show here at the end of the year, now is your time. Anybody have a place they want to start? I'd say, uh, you know, two, two fun, mindless action shows that I watched this year uh, had to have been uh, Shine On Bakamatsu Bad Boys, which came to us from, uh, I believe it was Studio Gino, who doesn't really have uh, much out there um, as far as like animes they've worked on. But you had the, uh, the amazing character artwork uh, by Hiroyuki Takei, uh, who did Shaman King, uh, and uh, I believe it was like Katakuji Ultimo, uh, which was uh, a collaboration between uh, him and Stan Lee. Um, and the animation, the action was great. Uh, it kind of felt a little throwbacky to Shaman King because we were dealing with samurai who were fighting with uh, you know, the power of spirits. Basically, the setup is... We got, uh, you know, the Bakamatsu time period, the uh, the Meiji Restoration, which if you're familiar with Rurouni Kenshin or uh, or say like the uh, uh, the the dating game. Uh, oh, God, I'm blanking on the name of it, but they've they've done a bunch of seasons of that show anyway. Um, but if, if you're familiar with that time period, you're familiar with the uh, the, the story of the Shinsengumi and yeah, in this, the Shinsengumi are killed and a bunch of people who are literally on death row are given the option, okay, you can just, you know, take your killing, you know, die, or you can pretend to be these people who got killed and uh, try to keep the peace. And so a bunch of misfits become the Shinsengumi. And uh, yeah, a lot of just fun stuff with uh, weird weapons and soul powered things and it was it was a cool show uh some great animation really unique style um and uh in terms of like fun action i'd throw that one and sabikui bisco which just had the most frantic like i wanted that, that show should... to be better than it was frankly y it, it was you know fine, but it, i there was never a moment in my mind where i even considered it for honorable mentions it's one of those things where if this show came out 15 years ago, it would have been a freaking If it sensation. came out 15 years ago, it would have been called Trigun. <laughs> <laughs> Trigun with mushrooms and a giant crab. Like, you know, exactly. I'm, I'm sorry. There's, well, I mean, kind of, it, it reminded me a little bit of Desert Punk, but better. Um, I mean, like the mushrooms God, was a Punk. very unique thing, <laughs> you know, uh, but like, it was just so insane. Like, and and maybe it was just because I was watching it with somebody else. I was watching it with Marissa and she was high as a kite when we were watching this and her reactions just made it that much funnier and crazier. So, I mean, if you want like a mindlessly weird freaking action show, uh, Sabikui Bisco, like, you know, and, and so I'd put those in my honorable mentions. The honorable, honorable, the honorable, yeah, yeah, the, the honorable honorables along with, uh, just, uh, my guilty pleasure out of this whole year had to have been Tokyo Mew Mew New, uh, because mm. of course, Magical Girls, you know, Transforming Heroes, remake of something that I have a little bit of nostalgia for. And that actually that was brings up a very, very good well. point. 
um, I glossed over our requirements for anime of the year consideration. The we have actually a pretty simple system, but it includes a couple of stipulations that are not on every anime of the year list. Our requirements are that it has to be a broadcast length or a half hour broadcast length show. So that means, um, you know, no movies, no shorts. It has to have been primarily produced in Japan, pretty obvious anime. Um, and it has to have been available for legal viewing in the United States in the calendar year of consideration. Now, this is a very strange statement. It might not be entirely clear, but what this means is every so often there are shows that are not licensed. For example, there was OLM's Summertime Rendering, a show that I myself said, ooh, I want to pay attention to the show. It looks really good. Same. It was licensed by Disney. They have only made it available in Japan. You cannot legally watch Summertime Rendering despite the fact that it was released three seasons ago. Therefore, Summertime Rendering is not eligible at all. However, not without uh, not without NordVPN. Hashtag not sponsored. sponsored. Hashtag um, sponsored. That said, <laughs> if if summertime rendering is released and made available next year, if uh, they decide, all right, hey, we now want to make it available and we're releasing it, then it will be considered for our 2023 anime of the year. That the it's this weird stipulation where it's availability based, um, availability based eligibility not creation base. It just so happens that 95% of the time creation will also be the time of availability. If that makes sense. Um, the other Very different two, than it was years ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other big ones are that it cannot be continuations. So, you know, bleach continued this year and it's been a minute, but the content that is being done in bleach is the continuation content from where the anime left off. We're obviously not considering Attack on Titan. We're not considering uh, My Hero Academia. My Hero. There's a lot of amazing shows, and we basically don't want to fall in the thing of, all right, My Hero Academia is at number 345 again, and Attack on Titan is 345 again, because that would just completely glut out all of the new stuff. And while Crunchyroll's Anime Awards considers them, we do not. Uh, but uh, this is the why we are speculation <laughs> is Tokyo Mew Mew New. Obviously, Tokyo Mew Mew is a show that has been around many, many, many times before. But this yep. is, as the name would suggest, a new iteration on it, a new spin on it. We had, I think it was at the number four slot two years ago, the remake of Fruits Basket, because that was not a continuation of Fruits Basket. That was the re-release, the recreation, and that it was, in that year, new for its iteration. Similarly... Will Trigun show up next year? Tune we'll in next out, year but, and find out. <laughs> uh, and the interesting thing is it's going to be related to how that works because it's not entirely clear. Is this a remake or is this a continuation? Are we going to continue off? So we don't actually know its eligibility yet. Uh, I also yeah. bring this up because we have in our honorable mentions, Urusei Yatsura, a classic show that is being handled amazingly by David Production oh. and similar to uh, what you had with Fruits Basket, similar to Tokyo Mew Mew New. This is the modernization, the retelling from the beginning, and therefore a new installment, not a continuation, which made it eligible. Uh, the other stipulation, which is entirely unique to us for obvious reasons, is the conflict of interest rule. And uh, 
the conflict of interest rule can otherwise be called the Emmy and Frangi rule here. And essentially, this is we do not feel comfortable ranking, adjudicating shows where a friend of the channel is a lead role. So Emmys had a couple of, uh, you know, bit parts here and there, a couple of supporting cast roles. That's fine. But she had three lead roles this year. And any of those shows are not eligible. And that actually had an impact because one of them was Orient. One of them was the Yakuza's Guide to Babysitting. And one of them was Cyberpunk Edgerunners. And boy, howdy, would Cyberpunk Edgerunners have been on this list somewhere. I don't know where. We didn't put thought to it, but we just sort of know instinctively (laughs) it it would have been there. But you will not find Cyberpunk Edgerunners on this list. We do mention this in our AOTY video uh, in the early part of it to say, hey, you're not going to see this one here because reasons. Mm-hmm. So uh, take that into consideration. Check it out anyway. <laughs> yeah, absolutely yes. check out Cyberpunk Edge Runners. It's good stuff. It really um, is. It's also in also, my uh, honorable mentions and my personal one only because, well, I can't uh, include that in the lists, but uh, it, is so, it is so good that I just decided, yeah. you know what? Personally, there it goes. It's never going to be considered, yeah. but I love it anyway. Yeah. Also, uh, we have uh, Nathan J. Caboose in chat uh, for folks who listen on podcast sources. You can listen to us live on Twitch. We broadcast on Friday afternoons, 4 p.m. Eastern time every week. But uh, Nathan uh, was sort of aghast that we didn't include Licorice Recoil. And it's just this year was stacked. That Yeah. It, it was top end stacked that I sort of noticed while we were compiling the list there was little to no presence of the winter 2022 season and a lot of fall 2022. And not just because of recency bias, but there was a, just a ton of good stuff that came out in summer and fall and licorice yeah. recoil made my personal top 10, but neither, or sorry, neither Neo Ivan, you can cut that in post if you want. Um, oh, I will. Neither, <laughs> uh, neither Neo Ivan uh, nor Jace had that in their top 10. Um, and that's, you know, part of how it all shakes out. Um, the one with heroines were on the show, you know, that was uh, my, uh, you know, personal addition to the list that I had that coming up a lot during the season that it aired, but neither of them saw it. So it wound up getting relegated. Similarly, uh, New Ivan had Awashi oh, pretty high, but since neither Jason nor I had seen it, uh, we bumped it down, but we, really wanted to make sure it still got on there. And that's why we like having these honorables that it gives us that extra bucket of uh, shows that might not have had the broader support from our mini committee as it was. Yeah. Anything else folks want to focus on in the honorable mentions before we move to the list proper? Um, For me, I'll definitely like to plug um, the show, do it yourself. It is basically a show about DIY. And if you need any kind of an anime that is a palate cleanser, this is for you. It's, it's wholesome. It's enjoyable. Um, The animation's not top tier, but it's very charming. Uh, So if you just want a wholesome palate cleanser to like the nitty, the gritty, or if you watch the Junji Ito show, I guarantee you, you will like re- actually <laughs> relax watching uh, do it yourself. It's on Crunchyroll, so give it a try. Uh, I will uh, bring up uh, this was probably my first exposure to a high dive show this year. Um, and this very quickly as the year progressed, 
became kind of the turning point to make high dive it, it brought eyes to that platform very quickly um as as you'll see in our top 10 list actually there are a number of shows from high dive on it your boy kong ming um it went viral thanks to that theme song um i mean like it just it's got that catchy euro beat like you know and and gets you into it but the premise of this sort of isekai of taking a person from real life history and bringing them into the modern day and like the music is so good in the show and the animation is pretty good that that opening animation like opening animations and ending animations are usually known for that high quality but the fluidity of those dance moves and everything like and it just had me laughing every episode had a good laugh out of me or uh I can really relate to the bar owner because he's a massive romance of the three kingdoms nerd. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. am I. Um, and I did watch uh, while working on the uh, AOTY video, uh, I did watch a clip of the dub and uh, much like uh, something that is in our top 10, uh, they got the Chinese pronunciation right on his name. They did. Uh, they went the extra mile. They said, Zhuge Liang. So uh, on her uh, name, Kong Ming. Uh, they they didn't say Komei. They said Kong Ming. Um, but still, well, I mean, Komei is the Japanese pronunciation. But either way, uh, yeah, your boy Kong Ming was a really fun watch. Um, I think the other than the opening, the rap battle scene is the other one that sells people on it. Um, it is definitely one of those palate cleansers if you need a laugh after watching something like say chainsaw man or classroom of the elite or something like that pick up your boy kong ming it is it is definitely uh a uh, a fun little side uh side view cool well let's get into the top 10 i feel like we spent just a little bit of extra time on the honorables number 10 is an the interesting rules. one because it's not a show I expected to see on our list, period. It's not one I entirely expected to see in the honorables, period, because this was one that I hadn't seen. But uh, Jace, both you and Neo Ivan had it at your number seven. And when we went to look at the list, I sort of had to do a double take. I was like, whoa, 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 you guys have it this high? And sure enough, and with both of you having it there, it got dragged down a little bit by me not having it, but it stayed in the list proper. And I'll let you introduce it, one of you, since it's uh, a show that you'll be able to comment to much more than I can. I'll I'll let Jace do it because he's the one that convinced me to give it a try. Uh, but I will say that, uh, and, and Jace will reinforce it with the details, but it is definitely a show that looks like it is a little too etchy, but then it actually is nothing like what it's not what it says on the cover it is something much more i haven't finished it but it is definitely far more wholesome and um better than i expected it's it's funny because the way i look at anime now compared to the way i looked at it about like 15 years ago has changed radically because back then i would be all about action and fan service and i still love those but as I've matured, uh, I've gotten into the uh, more reviewer's mindset of a lot of things, right down to my favorite things like Star Wars, too, uh, like sitting down and analyzing and, and putting on my, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, like uh, audio, uh, audio documentary type uh, hat 
sort of mentality. And so what really kind of surprised me um, was, and it's funny because I you followed it. The name yet. <laughs> you yeah, still barely true, believe true. it. <laughs> uh, Vermeer Gold is the is the show. It's on High Dive. Um, and this is what I meant by the shocker that High Dive took a lot of these, uh, a, a lot of people by surprise this year. But what seems like it's going to be a straightforward kind of like etchy, oh, you know, we're in a magic school and, you know, we got young guy gets, you know, hot, busty female character with him all the time and the jealous best friend. And, you know, it, on the surface, it looks like it's going to be cliche. Um, or in and, the words of Mother Basement, trash. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and it's funny because my one of, one of my best friends, Marissa, her immediate reaction was, "Oh my god, her boobs were animated with proper physics." <laughs> I just kind of laughed. I'm like, "That's what you noticed?" And she's like, "They moved like mine." <laughs> and at first, I'm just going, "Okay, this is just going to be like you know." a guilty pleasure no stick with the show because while for those of us who've watched say uchida which is now considered a classic yes there are some overt references to it which kind of had me going what uh which which kind of gave it a few brownie points for me but it's the fact that it despite the etchy it doesn't give into it and it actually delves into this con- like complex relationship between what's supposed to be a master and uh, uh, familiar relationship, what's supposed to be a contract between the two of them, and what could have easily been, oh, she's a demon, she's a succubus, she, she uses his power, and like, no, it gets so much deeper by the end of that season that... I want more, damn it. Like, and plus, also, just to hammer home another Utena reference, Takehiro Koyasu, Dio Brando, he plays a villain in this show. And of course, he plays Togekiryu in Utena. So it's just like, that's there's three Utena references in one show. And we'll talk more about that later on. But if you want a good surprise with a good fantasy show that actually delves a little bit more into the complexes of trauma and the importance of understanding another person in a relationship gets really deep in those last few episodes. Like, you know, go, go into this with an open mind and an open heart, because for people who've been through some complex relationships, this might hit a little close to home, but you will feel warm and fuzzy by the end of it. Mm -hmm. I really don't have anything to add to that. So. (laughs) <laughs> well, you might have something to add for the next one because, uh, you know, Ivan, it was your high ranking of this show that pulled it into the top 10 proper because both Jason and I had it uh, a little bit lower down. Um, I'm trying to remember. I, so I had it in my top 10. Jace had it in his honorables, but you had it relatively high up. And uh, eventually it shook out to the, our number nine slot. And that is Raven of the Inner Palace. Yeah, no, Raven of the Inner Palace. Um, it's so rare for Japan or for Japanese animation to dive into Chinese history outside of the Warring States period, as Jace mentioned earlier. And here they were um, 
They were diving. It's not even real history. It is fictitious it's history. It's fictitious history, but there's just enough kernels of, of what, because I've studied Chinese history uh, when I went to college and I've read a couple of uh, a book here and there about it. And for them to focus on imperial um, politics or more specifically yeah. the the imperial palace itself and to talk about the eunuchs and here we have a concert the the focus of the story is the raven of the inner palaces the raven consort she or they are people with um magical powers that could commune with the uh, with the afterlife and basically it's a story of kind of like supernatural detective stories in a way like how did this person die and there's just been so many emotional moments where mm. I was like, I'm I'm enjoying the show. I'm enjoying the show. Who's cutting the onions? Where's that onion ninja? How <laughs> dare you? There was so many moments like that. And I'm like, okay, the show is actually hitting me, not just in my history feels, because the la there was kind of no last emperor of China before the 20th century. There was an empress dowager that was a yep. a not very nice person. And to see that was another hook for me. It's like, oh, you're actually using. OK, I got it. And yeah, the, I, they I, end up doing just an interesting job, like you were saying, of showing the imperial court dynamics. Mm -hmm. And uh, they obviously put themselves in a much better position, frankly, by not trying to lean on real names, real events and using it as more of a canvas where they can tell stories and show, all right, what were these dynamics like? What were the social relations between different parties? Because the Imperial Palace was its own sort of society unto itself, that it is entirely different what goes on inside those walls, that this isn't just a single castle or something, that this is that collection of palaces, collection of uh, eunuchs, consorts, ministers, that it's, uh, you know, think of, you know, Washington, D.C., or what you think of a modern-day political capital, that you sort of have that in that sense of what goes on inside the capital is going to be different than your day-to-day -day society and how things work. Um, and the spirit detective sort of niche subgenre, you know, I liken it to, uh, I almost said uh, what our next show is because it has something similar, um, <laughs> Inspector. Uh, mm. and also the Monogatari series where you're having these, these shorter arcs, these single episode or two episode stories of like you were saying, how did someone die? Why did someone die? What is it, uh, that they might be trying to communicate or let go of before moving on to the afterlife and different havoc being wreaked and then just you know, the supernatural elements were very nice. And uh, yeah, it is one that I thoroughly enjoyed. I don't think it's going to be on many top 10 lists this year. So I was kind of happy that we were able to include it here. And I will give it the, uh, I will give it the props too for when I fell behind uh, and I fall behind on a show. If there's a dub, I use it so I can somewhat passively watch a show. Um, and it is a beautiful show. It's Bondi Namco Pictures, of course. Um, but uh really what what kind of blew my mind was the added attention to pronunciation in the dub because they could have gone the easy route and gone with the japanese pronunciations of the chinese um as it is all chinese names uh that would be the equivalent of say 
watching Koihime Muso or uh, even say uh, uh, Iki Tosen, where it's based off of Romance of the Three Kingdoms, and you have a character named, say, Soso. And the thing is, is that Soso in Japanese is the Japanese pronunciation of Cao Cao. But they went the extra mile for this dub and went with the proper Chinese pronunciations of this for an English dub. So I applaud you, Crunchyroll, for going that extra mile on that. That is amazing attention to detail and huge props to the cast for also going that extra mile and nailing those pronunciations. Because I don't speak Chinese. I have a very limited knowledge of pronunciation due to my study of the Warring States period and some a bit of history in college as well. But yeah, it's uh, Crunchyroll Dubs doing a great job with that. Uh, I think I will go back and rewatch the show later on down the line just to truly appreciate that dub even more. Awesome. And uh, this next one is, it's sort of funny. These first three are, well, I, I watched Raven, but um, this next one, number eight, is another one similar to Vermeer and Gold that I did not actually watch. Um, but it's one that I was not surprised to see on this list because it was one that you spoke of so highly, Jace, throughout the year. And Neo Ivan, you as well, I know, eventually wound up seeing it and you had it in your top ten. So uh less surprising to me than Vermeer Gold is Futo PI at number eight. Yeah, um, for me it was um my wife was a huge common writer W fan. Huge. She has uh quite a lot of models and um <clears throat> She uh, recommended it to me because it was much more of a detective story than, you know, detective story meets uh, Power Rangers. I'm like, oh, okay. And then Futo P.I. <laughs> was the excuse for me to dive into the world. And outside of a couple of etchy moments that didn't make a lot of sense. I mean, I'm, I'm in the same boat as Jace when I was much younger. I'm like, oh, yeah, now now it's a great, this is a great show. <laughs> Why is it a great show, Ivan? reasons now i've uh plot, plot <laughs> yes plot i've matured and um but with futo pi I, I do enjoy it just as it it's basically the equivalent over in japan to here with superheroes so it's yep. if you think of it like a superhero show with a with someone who re tries really hard to be uh hard boiled as he likes to try to call himself <laughs> you're in for a good time um, but don't put your thinking cap on too hard because it is still an anime and all of that at the end of the year. Uh, it's it's a fun show because you don't need any knowledge of Kamen Rider or even the source material of Kamen Rider Double. And I, I've always said, like, for anybody who uses it as kind of like, you know, they're kind of stepping stone into the world of Henshin heroes outside of Power Rangers, uh, the first two episodes are available on YouTube on Toy Tokusatsu's uh, channel with English subtitle. And this, um, as, as I work on my own personal uh, top per genre uh, video for my own channel, um, this one makes it in there because I also am a big tokusatsu nerd. And rewatching the first two episodes of Double, actually, while also working on the Anime of the Year video for uh, for Digital Era, really had me double down on my appreciation for how well it actually brings you into that world without you having to watch that original source material that is a sequel to from the episode intros that feature the uh 
the uh connecting the dots like the the conspiracy uh corkboard type thing from that to having the original narrator to having uh the original music artists come back for it the animation captures that same energy that the live action show does with from the transformation to the fight scenes uh even in those first few episodes the fact that the uh flashback monsters and everything that they show go right back to those first two episodes of the live action um as a fan of it i loved it uh but the thing is is again i watch a lot of stuff with my bestie marissa she is not a common rider fan and she got drawn into it and it's also in my opinion a very bingeable show because similar to double uh <laughs> literally living up to the double name of having two-part episodes uh, for each of its little story arcs, this one kind of follows as a sequel by having three-part episodes. So you can literally sit down, watch three episodes back-to-back, get a nice little, you know, wrapped up in a bow story while still having a serialized mystery underneath it. And uh, so, yeah, if if you've seen Power Rangers and you kind of want to have a little bit of that fun with the whole transforming hero thing, you like mysteries... It's another good one. Uh, there's some humor in there. There's a little something for everybody in that show. And personally, I hope Crunchyroll does do a dub down the line of it too. Um, although I think that that might come down to Toy uh, approving whether or not that happens. But that's a story for another time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, number seven is one that I was championing a lot. And I know that, uh, Jace, you did get into this one. Uh, I don't think that you w- watch this one, Neil Ivan. I've but... seen two, one and a half episodes. So, I mean, I I really enjoyed episode one. I just, um, unfortunately, just too much anime. Too much yeah. anime. And <laughs> this is one that it, what hooked me happened, frankly, in the first minute. But this was a show that actually, for me, got better as time went on. That it's just... What a ride, what a show. Mm. Number seven is Akiba Made War. And obviously, we, for the first three weeks, I sort of put a spoiler tag on and said, I don't want to say what happens in this show because the opening, the cold opening of the show is so amazing. The opening episode is so amazing that I want people to go in not realizing what's going to happen because with a name like Akiba Made War and given the, uh, the promotional image that you think, all right, this is made stuff. And all right, this is going to be a made war in the sense that, yeah, we're like, you know, a, there's a lot of different cafes and that you need to be the best and that it's sort of a war in its own right. Right. Wrong. <laughs> it's actually just a war. This is a yeah. cold open dock, but made war is a maid getting shot. And there's a whole lot of blood in this series. It is violent as heck. <laughs> this is essentially organized crime. This is just a mafia turf war. It is oh my God. so literal, but it is so good. So fun. So wild. And one of the things that I started to realize was this could be more than just a wild artistic decision of, Oh, what if we gave maids guns? But in a way, I, I kind of see it as an allegory for, you know, there can be drama in the, in the maid scene and that mm. you know, not everything is sunshine and rainbows and that 
you have either individual maids that start having sort of tiffs with each other when uh you know certain customers might be going or the offenses of uh going to another maid cafe to promote is obviously super taboo um and just there's interactions both between individuals and different cafes in the industry that you know in a way that what we have here with the mafia turf war is sort of just the hyperbole of it all because a big thing is all right the maid cafe wants to increase their footprint they want to be better known they want to be able to pull in more customers it's a very real thing of just you know they want to be the biggest and the best and this takes it to the extreme in every way yeah. and then they even start getting corporate stuff of one parent company uh, uh looking to absorb another different implications there kind and, of a little bit of a modern day like allegory right there for you know corporate cannibalism going on nowadays yeah and yeah. it's just the the last five-ish episodes start having a more contiguous storyline that the first several are more episodic and don't get me wrong they're very fun but yeah the later half of the season when it really starts digging into these characters and writing a storyline it's so good and it wraps up in 12 episodes that this they could make a season two but a season two would be for reasons that i won't spoil vastly different from season one but my guess is just pa yeah. works usually just sticks to their stories and finishes them and Akiba Made War had a very satisfying conclusion, a very fun yeah. conclusion. This felt like a Scorsese film. This felt like a Quentin Tarantino film. Yeah. Yeah. That this was very Tarantino esque, especially with the hyperviolence. I, I really like <laughs> I, I I love looking at pieces of media and then asking, what if, you know, crossed over with this genre or this kind of thing? Like uh, a, a number of episodes ago brought up the concept of an anime in uh, stop motion form. And then I thought about this uh, recently and the very heavy Yakuza influences. And my first thought was Sega, for the love of God, license this and take your Yakuza engine and give us an Akiba made war game. Oh my God. I would be oh, all amazing. About this. That would be amazing. <laughs> Sega, you somehow are listening to this podcast please um, do it fund it i mean there's there's just something about this that like the concept on paper aside from wanting that game uh brings me back to again my nostalgia for things from the 2000s and excel saga this is the sort of thing that you would expect from an episode of that show and it's genre parody per episode thing but what if stretched out into a full season and the thing is not a lot of concepts like that could get pulled into a full season this one takes that yakuza concept and runs with it and takes it seriously the whole time you start off with those few jokey bits in the first few episodes and then they just sink their teeth into you with a serialized storyline and everything and it really pulls you in i really if, if you like violence if you like comedy if you like you know, say a bit of that film noir thing. Maybe you are a bit of a film buff and you enjoy like Scorsese, Tarantino. Yeah, Akiba Made War. And again, High Dive. This is this is our second High Dive show on this list. So yeah, uh, hashtag not sponsored, but it was the type of thing that in the past we have had very few, if any, High Dive shows. And that was largely a function of High Dive got their foundation as a streaming service based on older properties. So they're just 
you know, some of their biggest names weren't going to be ones that would be eligible for us anyways, but also, you know, with absolutely no offense intended to high dive that they just didn't have a bunch of shows that really broke into sort of the mainstream of, all right, these are like really, really, really good ones. Um, they would usually have, you know, a handful every year, but the, the number of shows that they have had per season that have been must see anime and ones that have really grabbed us has just skyrocketed this past year. And, uh, it was definitely worthwhile. Like I said, hashtag not sponsored, but, um, you know, Hide Eye has been sort of the redheaded us. stepchild <laughs> of the, the the anime streaming space for a while. And yeah, we're here to say they've come into their own and that uh, they're pulling their weight. So good for them. Don't sleep on them. Yeah. Um, up next, this is actually, Jace, it is your number one. That, yeah. like I mentioned earlier, we sort of take out our different numbers and find things. And... A, I almost felt bad that we put your number one at number six. That was largely a function of neither Neo Ivan nor I had seen it in any significant amount. I saw, you know, clips and it seemed really good. Um, and you also did admit that part of your putting it at number one was a bit more of a personal thing, which is why you were comfortable yeah. letting us drag it down as we did. And also just, like we said, it's a stacked year that... You are not going to yeah. be surprised by the things that got put above it, but Into the top this five, one's yeah. yours. Number six is Dance, Dance, Dancer. The Triple D. <laughs> um, yeah. The funny thing is, is that compared to who I was as an anime fan years ago, um, I've I've decided to take a, a deeper look into things, you know, as I try to become more of a... Uh, you know, a reviewer and, and a little more artistic in my thoughts and stuff. And Dansoor really kind of caught my eye because things like Birdie Wing caught me off guard or Salaryman's Club, you know, where it looks like one thing on the tin, you know, and it's an unusual enough concept that you kind of go into it and go, huh. Um, and I mean, you had the pedigree of Studio Mappa working on this show. And I just was kind of like, okay, I'll give this a shot. I'm a little curious. And uh, what you see in the trailer, you know, and, and what you see in the key art isn't the actual meat and potatoes of the show. It's not the focus. It's not a rom-com drama. There's a little bit of romantic, like, tension in there, a little bit of, like, teenage angst. But what spoke to me about this, aside from the beautiful animation, is the story of a young you know, protagonist, a young male character who has a passion for something, in this case, ballet. You know, he sees it as a kid. His sister was into it and he comes from an athletic background. His father was a stuntman who did Jeet Kune Do. And he sees this performance of a male dancer doing a solo performance and his eyes light up. He sees sparkles. It just blows him away. Um, pika pika kira kira like he is just absorbed into it and wants to do it and he loses his passion for it between a matter of you know and and this is mild spoiler territory here but this is where the emotion of this comes into he loses it because growing up he's a boy ballet scene is a girl's thing unfortunately and his father 
tragically passes away and he's expected to man up, become the man of the house, all these sorts of little, you know, like toxic masculine stereotypes. And this girl, he kind of, you know, takes a shining to because of her playing the piano, learns that she does ballet, her mother runs a ballet studio, and he slowly rediscovers his passion for it. He goes from being this brute who wants to dance the way he wants to, to learning how to do it properly, then getting disillusioned with learning it properly and wanting to bring his passion back into it and kind of make his own stand for dancing. And it's just, I, I, I compared it uh, to Disney Pixar's soul because that was another thing that spoke to me as a creative person you know, when you get into a sort of sort of zone that you become absorbed by what you do, especially, you know, those of us who are creative. And Densor really spoke to me on that emotional and spiritual level that between that and the animation, I had to put that as my number one above the obvious ones and the not so obvious ones that, uh, you know, everybody would speak praises of this year because. I feel like it just is something that needs to be experienced by people, uh, especially especially if you're in a place in your life, in your mindset, where you might be doubting your own uh, interests, your own passions, your own creativity, uh, your, even who you are yourself at your core. I feel like this is something that uh, as more people discover it, um, this is going to become sort of a cult classic in a sort of uh, emotional and artistic way for people. And they did leave it open for more because it's based off of a manga. Uh, there's a uh, deuteragonist, uh, your, your second protagonist, a secondary guy who has his own troubles, his own drama, you know, everything going on with him that's on a completely different level. Not relatable for me, but, you know, the kind of drama that draws you in to watch week after week that when, you know, if, and when they do a season two of this, I want to see how he gets over his trauma because it is a completely different thing from what the main character has. And I want to see more of this dynamic, this relationship, these characters growing. It is just, it's, it's art. (laughs) Art. Yes, indeed. So dance, dance, dance. To the opposite of number six. (laughs) And now we move into the top five. And there's, I don't think anything in our top five is going to be, well, maybe our number five. But I will say for us, if you have listened to Dikai, nothing in the top five is going to be a shocker. There are still a couple of things here that I'm not expecting to see on a lot of other AOT wireless and a couple that I'm frankly saying, yeah, of course we have these high up and they're going to be on most, if not all of the AOT wireless that you see at this, you know, end of year season and award season comes into play. Number five is probably the one that you will see on the least, but it's the one, like I said, if you listen to D Kai, you're not surprised because number five is birdie wing golf girl story. I love also how known viral as, it went in our Discord. Also known <laughs> as Golf Mafia. Golf Mafia. Golf freaking Mafia. If I had a nickel uh, for every time that we had a show in our top 10 with an unconventional industry mafia, I'd have two nickels. And that's not a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. 
uh, count the nickels one, two, and three. Where's uh, the third? Common Rider. Uh, oh, yeah, no. I suppose. But yeah, for an anime to um, first off golf, I personally do not consider that a sport, and yet everything in the show just clicked with me the characters the writing the oh, hold on did you just say that golf isn't a sport yeah my hot take <laughs> oh, baby, that's, ooh, wow i mean uh, in I've terms of anime and sports you don't think of golf you think of soccer hey. you think of basketball yeah. you even think of like american football before or, you think golf or yeah i'm, I'm yeah. not gonna say that golf is a sport that everyone thinks of when you say all right you know, name your favorite sport. Golf isn't going to be right up there. I I will firm disagree and say golf is absolutely a sport, but that's, that's a debate for another day. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> my, my overall point is that when you think of anime and golf, it's just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but but this show yeah. does it. It actually makes golf compelling, especially towards the, the later episodes when, um, oh God, I forgot her name, uh, but our protagonist. Um, Even Owie. Yeah. Eve, yes, when yeah. she runs into stiff competition and they get into the nitty gritty about golf. And I'm like, OK, um, there's there's depth to the show. And that's one of the other reasons why for me uh, it's it was tied from in my personal with um, let me just get my list tied for number five. So, hey, it fits right on in here. Um, yeah. No, if you like wacky it's a wacky show it's definitely when you watch it episode one you're gonna go yep it's an anime but it's also just <laughs> there's much more to it and i'll i'll let uh, you all talk about it yeah this is one that it is a very anime anime that it's just yeah wild in the best of ways they have you know the the name call outs at least mentally that she doesn't scream red bullet when she hits the golf ball but she screams it in her head every time and it's that yeah. special move moment it's just it's so fun but at the same time they go beyond the crazy and actually have these compelling characters these compelling situations it's it ends up being this great combination of fun and just seriousness there's already a second season confirmed we're really looking forward to it um yeah. birdie wing was just one of it is one of and not the only show in our not just top 10 but top five that we glanced at during our season previews and said probably not going to watch this and then watched it a lot mm -hmm. my curiosity was bondi namco pictures that logo kind of looked like stock art for a tales of game it had that very clean look about it that reminded me of, you know, Tiger and Bunny. And I mean, like, and it's funny because Raven of the Inner Palace, also Bandai Namco Pictures. Like, you know, they they kind of have this thing for a certain kind of clean. And when you think Bandai Namco, you think video games and toys. So, of course, you're looking at this on the, the surface and thinking this is going to be a thing to sell a mobile game or sell, you know, uh, a toy or something yes they made real life golf uh golf merchandise the uh, uh the company that you see the characters wearing in the end credits they did make limited edition merchandise they did actually do based sponsorships on yeah and um another but, thing that another, oh sorry to cut you off just real briefly jace oh, uh one yeah. thing that uh like 
the boss Mario uh, didn't really believe me that this show was worth it. So when uh, he was still in New York, um, I sat down with him and a mutual friend of ours. I told him, let's watch Birdie Wing. I promise you it'll be good. After two episodes, both of them like, what the F did we just watch? Is there more? <laughs> yeah, this, this I, one, I, I love how it went viral. Mm-hmm. That I actually don't think many folks ended up watching this one. That I think this is going to be one of those under-the-radar shows. I'm glad it seems to have gotten just enough support to justify the production of its second season. But yeah. I'll admit, I didn't hear a ton of chatter about it, but I saw just enough. And the folks that know about this show know about this show. And uh, I'm very happy for it. Like, so, I, I mean, uh, I, even Crunchyroll. What's that? that? I found out about it because I'd seen a review that I usually go to animefeminist.com for... Uh, they do really good series uh, premiere reviews and then also a digest. And I'll usually glance over their stuff. And I use Anime Feminist as sort of a, a initial weighting that I'm not going to say, all right, any show that they say is not good is not good. That There are several shows that they have not liked that I have loved and several ones that they've loved that I just haven't clicked with. But mm. uh, I find that they're they're pretty impartial in the way they do it. And they have good writers and uh, are mindful of the things they're reviewing. And just in the opening paragraph of it, they mention, you know, all right, this thing's wild. The opening scene is somebody walking in after completing a golf tournament and ripping their face off because they were actually impersonating someone else. And I just sort of stopped there and I said, okay, so this isn't a conventional sports (laughs) anime. And uh, I want I, to take I just their face went off. from there. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, uh, it's 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 definitely. I mean, even Crunchyroll pushed it a little bit with uh, their clip on YouTube of it saying the most anime golf thing you will ever see, or something like that. And YouTube is a powerful tool. Between that and Yavoi Kong Ming's rap battle uh, going viral on there, and the theme song, like. Birdie Wing, I really, really hope gets some more buzz for next April because it is a fun show. It is not meant to push merch. That's just kind of like a side thing that they fell into. And I can't wait to see because it's an original story. There's no manga. You know, mm-hmm. you can't go. What happens next? You literally have to watch and find out. So yeah. I can't wait for more of even uh, Aoi's adventures uh, yeah, so- next year. We are going to go a little bit over on this show versus our normal one. And I think that's okay because this is the anime of the year show. I do want to make sure that we have time to talk about our top four. And our number four, we might get some flack for this. Not for including it when it shouldn't be included. We might get flack because I think this is the lowest you're going to see this show on a ranking list for basically almost anywhere that it feels a little bit heretical to say that chainsaw man is our number four and not in our top three and i think a big function of chainsaw man landing i say quote unquote low at number four is because when we do our adjudication at digital air entertainment we are pretty good at just looking at what has been released. We know Chainsaw Man gets better over time. We know that there is a lot more to this story. We are basing it entirely on what 
has aired in anime. And if you were to do a show, or sorry, if you were to do rankings and awards on what is the best looking show of the year, what is the highest production value show of the year, it's Chainsaw Man, period. It's oh, just yeah. Chainsaw Man. Holy cow, is Chainsaw Man a good looking show. MAPPA is at the top of their game. They are out here flexing on other yeah. studios. And then just, you know, for a little cherry on top saying, by the way, you know what? We're going to do a different ending song and a different ending animation every oh. episode with some of the biggest names in the Japanese anime industry because that's how freaking big Chainsaw Man is. I have never Inject seen a show... soundtrack into my veins. I've never seen a show with this much, you know, pre-debut hype. People were looking forward to Chainsaw Man in January. This was yeah. the one that is sort of, you know... It's been heralded in. Like I said, I expect it to just be sort of coronated as anime of the year in a lot of cases. And we are here to say it's good. It's really good. And just yeah. what, like I said, quote unquote, knocked it down to the quote unquote low rank of number four is just that the story hasn't done much yet. That they're still yeah. in their early motions. They've had some really amazing character moments. They've had some amazing battles, but at this early juncture, it's still just kind of a shonen, a really polished shonen, a very good yeah. shonen that I will happily recommend to anyone, but it hasn't, beyond its visuals, the story hasn't done anything totally crazy holy cow, this feels like a generational story yet. I fully anticipate it to get there. And yeah. I anticipate that it will be, like I said, number one, two or three on most people's lists. And uh, we're here to say, no shade at Chainsaw Man. There were just a couple more that for us, for what has aired, that were a little bit above. But Chainsaw Man's a damn good show. If this show came out earlier this year and had gotten split into two halves for its first season, like something else on this list, I'm pretty sure that this probably would have been number one potentially yeah. this year. Um, yeah, that's, that's but, the one interesting thing of our adjudication that unfortunately there's no way to to really cover for it that shows that debut early in the year and get to have a second core unfortunately do get a bit of a leg up and yeah there's no mm -hmm. clean way to account for this because we can't delay and say all right we're going to go back in the middle of next year once core two of chainsaw man has been there and it also doesn't quite fit to say all right we're only going to adjudicate shows based on their first 12 episodes i suppose technically that would be the cleanest way to do it but it just doesn't yeah. feel right there either mm -hmm. so and you know, i mean in, like in perfect solution best way i can describe this uh is take the raunchy horny humor of a late 90s early 2000s movie like you know american pie or dude where's my car and couple that with the hyper violence and darkness that you would see in something like a rob zombie movie and you have quite possibly one of the most amazing beautiful that shies a crazy like concepts and i love denji I, I, you know, if, if he was a friend of mine, like I, I would, I, he really is like, you know, man's best friend. Like he really is kind of dog, like the kind of person that you want to give head pets to, because he just seems like such a loyal and faithful friend, despite being a horn dog, <laughs> horn dog. Yeah, um, so 
Yeah, Chainsaw Man. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Like but I, said, I expect it to be. Just shy of the top three. Mm-hmm. Mm. And number three is one that I expect to see, like, if other content creators you follow do top tens, I think this could get into top tens. I think it won't be in most other top fives, but I also don't think that our inclusion of it in a top five is going to raise eyebrows in a way that people are going to say, wow, how'd you do that? Or number three, honestly getting even a little bit higher than I expected, but I'm very happy to see it here, is Call of the Night. Mm, yep. Mm. Yeah, for me... It is a vibe. I'm, I'm a sucker for vampires, what can I say? Huh. <laughs> I see what you did there. And it just this show, you know, I don't normally use this term, but this show is a vibe. It's just the the whole thing about it is vibes and it's good vibes, and you get this mm-hmm. the incredible pink purple neon tint to everything. Mm. The soundtrack, the sound design of this show is stellar. Jace, you had a really good one-liner of how to describe this show in in a nutshell and i don't think it's entirely accurate but i think it's the best that you can get because the show is so damn unique that there is no clean one-liner but you said that this is flcl exchanging punk rock and aliens for vampires and lo-fi and i think that's as close as we're gonna get because this is such a unique show it's so different but that line you have is not inaccurate i really like this is this is something that I I will say I went out of my way. I went to CD Japan. I imported this soundtrack because the soundtrack is that damn good. You know, like I found myself singing along to that intro every week. I freaking, you know, got in I, I was bobbing my head to the ending. There's a few insert songs in there. And just I wanted to like if I could, I would want to chill with them in real life. Like you know, I, I don't care that he's, you know, a high schooler, like, you know, or however old she's supposed to be, despite being, you know, a vampire. Like, they just seem like the kind of people that I could chill with, you know, and just whatever, whether it's, you know, playing a PlayStation 1 game, a car game, like, whatever. They seem like people that I would want to hang out with, good friends. And with the music, mm-hmm. the looks, like, it reminds me of Nights at anime conventions like sleepless nights where you just hang out with people mm-hmm. in the city streets Absolutely. what's so interesting yeah. is the first three four five episodes of the show are very different from the later half but in the beginning it is just it feels like a one-act play with two characters having a two-character show is one of the most difficult things to do in writing because mm. Obviously, stories and narrative are going to be much easier to compel and move and do different things the more forces you have at play. But for a lot of the opening episodes, it's just Ko and Nazuna and the two of them having a bit of banter, some silence, a lot of internal monologues, and it's just beautiful. And then... Just when you get to the point where you worry it might start wearing thin, that's when they start weaving in a couple other characters. And then by the end of the season, we're starting to see, oh, there's a real plot here. And it is a big divergence. It's a real, like, conflict, too. Like, Mm. I want to see what happens next because I'm just like, you feel a little threatened, honestly, like when that conflict comes into play. Because they almost feel like two different shows, but they're both 
good shows, and I don't yeah. know if we will ever get back to the pure quiet that we had in the opening episodes, but in a way, I think that's sort of the intended progression of you have silence and then you start to get more and more noise, and in a way, that is what Co wants, that he, he enjoys the night, but at the same time, he wants to have connection in a way but isn't sure what type of connection he wants. And, you know, there's a lot of subtext about uh, just sexuality and romance. And yeah, there's mm -hmm. a lot of coded stuff that makes it seem like Ko is asexual. And that mm. he, I'm very interested to see how they resolve this. And is it that he just, you know, for whatever reason, is a, that he was a little bit different and that he is capable of those types of romantic feelings and just needed to find the right person, which is a totally valid way of telling the story. Yeah. But it, there were also just little hints and in other places, not so subtle hints, suggesting that he might be asexual and that I mean, you know, hell, Ace is totally valid, that there's some folks that yeah. just don't feel mm -hmm. that sexual level of compulsion. And that's okay. And we don't get that often. And frankly, that's kind of where I hope it goes. I won't be heartbroken if they don't take that avenue. But the mere fact that, you know, it feels like an option at this point is a point of intrigue for me. Yeah. I mean, what really point, gets me is... Oh, uh, sorry, Jace, go on. Oh, I, I mean, like, it, the shoe's on the other foot with Nazana. She gets so flustered and embarrassed around the concept of, like romance and set like she'll tease him openly about it but the minute things get serious she just gets flustered you know like inexperienced not really understanding it it's like you know you start wondering has she sired any other vampires like what is going on she knows all about this she teases him what is going on with her deeper workings like romantically and and sexually too like both of them are very complex and I think that that's going to be the crux of the show. Like, there's there's going to be a conflict uh, climax eventually in the story, I believe. But there's also going to be that climax to the relationship that, that uh, you know, will they or won't they, that a lot of stories involving yeah. a male and female character do. And but I can't the, wait to see where that goes with the two of them because it's so different. Yeah. yeah and sorry. Go ahead, Neil um, Ivan. Um, Real quick, there was a point where I thought that the show was going to go the harem route because, as Joel said, a lot more <laughs> characters came on in. But no, they do. They they saw the exit. But unlike the meme, they keep going straight. They do not take that exit. And I give props uh, to an enemy because that going the harem route, it, it's been mm. done. It's kind of cheap at this point. And plus the two characters are just really work together. So, yeah, and. A, obviously, you know, they can have a relationship and you can be in love without, you know, if you're ace, you can be in love. That is possible. That is entirely likely that sexuality and romance and personal connection are not mutually exclusive concepts. And like I said, I kind of hope it goes there. And even if not, they are still exploring the concept of emotional connection in general. And I, it's just, you rarely see it done in this form, in these terms. And I really enjoyed it. And just 
the pieces all really fell together very nicely. So call of the night at number three. On to the top two. I very famously now, during our winter 2022 preview season, as I say many seasons, or for many shows, is, you know, this one is one I don't think is for me for one reason or another. Either, you know, we said it with Birdie Wing of just, ah, it looks like a run-of-the-mill sports show and it's golf this time and cool if you like golf here you go enjoy it hope you have fun probably not going to watch it myself though then to find myself waist deep in it and i said well i'm not a gundam fan in you know it's just gundam and even if it's something that is new and that you don't need to know the lore of gundam i'm not sure if i'm necessarily going to be all in on a gundam show when the franchise doesn't have any significance to me and then i watched the prologue episode and i cried like there was emotional payoff in the episode zero that hit harder than some shows do in their entire 12 episode run and then you get into the main series and it's amazing and i am i'm so happy to say that mobile suit gundam witch from mercury is our number two because holy cow, for me, for me, my anime of the year is effectively a tie between this and what wound up being our number one. That it is too close for me to call between our, our collective number one in Gundam. I liked it that much. And part of what might be doing it is the fact that Ichiro Okouchi, the person who wrote Code Geass, there's your reference, wrote this show. Because I will say... This is the closest I have felt to Code Geass since Code Geass itself. There, that for me, part of why I still hold Code Geass so highly is that there just hasn't been a show that has quite made me feel those same things, that hasn't quite plucked those strings, hit those notes for me in those ways. I can feel the similarity in the writing, but at the same time, it is still its own story just enough that I'm not looking at it as, oh, this is a new Code Geass, but since I love Code Geass, it is my favorite anime of all time. I'm not saying it's the best anime of all time, but that for me personally, it hit the right notes. And I'm feeling, I'm hearing Witch from Mercury hit those notes again. And it's, I'm, I'm going to use my one here. It's thrilling. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Uh, I mean... It's it's funny because earlier I said count the nickels one two and three and you were like three and here's the thing, if I had a nickel for every time an anime in our top ten anime of the year referenced Utena, I'd have two nickels, which is awfully weird, but if I had a nickel for every time that we said that line, I would have another nickel, 10. so I would have three nickels. Yep. <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time we had to use the if every time I if I had a nickel for every time meme. We'd have two nickels, which means we'd have a third nickel, which mm. is kind of weird. <laughs> but at this but, point, I guess it, it means that we're consistent. It means we know what yeah. we like. And the thing is, is that it kind of blew me away because as each episode comes out, I'm like, holy crap, we have a school in which they have duels and they have to cut something off the other person in a duel like the roses in Utena, and we have people spreading rumors, and we have a character whose hair kind of looks like a couple of mouse ears, and her name is Choo Choo, 
like the mouse from Utena. And there's a character who's a bride that they duel over. And she has a garden that she tends to, just like in Utena. And she and the character who has the bride gets to wear a special uniform, like in Utena. And the more I watch the show, I just go, here's my one. Mother is just mobile suit Utena. <laughs> and it's so good. It it's is so pretty. Like, the soundtrack's freaking amazing. Oh my the god! Like are distinct. This the I plot that, uh, is compelling. It's all here. Soundtrack yeah. Utena reference because every duel had an original song in Utena. So again, more references. Dang it! This is like <laughs> six nickel territory. <laughs> and but, it's oh. funny, Neil Ivan. You mentioned just before we went live that you actually adjusted a couple of your personal rankings and we did a glance over and it turns out that nothing you changed would have actually changed our lists uh, ordering materially, but you actually bumped up, which from Mercury, a couple things. So all that did was just reinforce, okay, putting it here at number two was in fact correct. And uh, I'm, because you had it initially... At your number one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh place, because you had like three tied at number four initially, but now you bumped it up to your number three slot. And so I'm really happy to hear that. that uh, fifth, <laughs> fifth spot. Uh, it's just I had four, uh, three tied yeah. for number four. Well, but uh, that but means that it's seventh because you have mm. number one, two, three, four, number one, five, four, number two, six, mm. four, number three seven oh, all right, is well, technically where it goes okay, there okay um fair enough uh but for me it was actually the last episode because um the few times that you were not here as as a host jason and i would talk about gundam witch of mercury and i would at everything i completely agree with you the characters are really well written especially uh miorni i can't pronounce her name miorni uh, her character her character arc has taken so many wild rides and I'm here for it. I love that in many ways she almost kind of became what she doesn't want to do. And, but she recognizes it. I feel like she recognizes that, but that's getting into spoiler territory. But for me, what made the, the ranking go up for me was as I was telling Jace, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop because you can't have Gundam in the school setting forever. I mean, they can try, but overall, the stories of Gundam involve a major war. And now we're seeing the seeds of that come to uh, come to fruition here. And we also have um, new people and I really like them. I like that there's. I'm I'm not going to spoil it, but I'm encouraging everyone to watch that. This is the last episode has made me more excited for Gundam, which for Mercury. And I already really like the show. Yeah, but, but it's as as uh, Jim Ross would say, business about to pick up. <laughs> yeah. And a uh, reminder that prologue episode is absolutely required viewing. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it, it is. makes a big difference in the emotional stakes of the show you, you, right you will away. hunt the onion ninjas down for sure but it is absolutely vital do not skip yeah. it uh and this is a treat because we know in advance this is a 50 episode show we are going for a full-blown ride into next year with this and i couldn't be happy this is the third bandai namco show 
on the list. Yeah, geez, Bondi Namco, cool it. You no, can't do this. And, I mean, part of that you can blame on the corporate mergers because Bondi Namco unified everything under its name because Gundam is traditionally Sunrise and Bondi did own a controlling mm-hmm. stake in Sunrise. Keep in mind, but, Sunrise yeah. is the studio that did Code Geass. We had so many references. <laughs> We, we, we had next? Mappa on here twice with Densur and, uh, uh, oh God, I'm blanking. Oh, Densur and Chainsaw Man. We've had Bandai on here three times now. And surprisingly, they weren't involved in Futo PI despite being Common Rider. So yeah, they, I guess I get, you could say we're the studio MVP this year, but the number one number show one. that you'll probably be seeing everywhere on number one lists. That basically, this is the one that, if it's not Chainsaw Man, this is probably the show that is most likely to get a lot of number ones in a lot of places. One that I don't think anyone is going to be surprised to see here. I think it is a perfectly defensible pick in so many ways, but at the same time, this was very much a the hype is real moment. This was. Save, save for Chainsaw Man, the most anticipated series of the year from the rumblings I heard in the community, at least. If you went to any conventions this year, it was going to be one of the most frequent cosplays. It gives us what I would call best girl of the year and so many amazing, just clippable moments the facial expressions and if that's not giving you the hint (laughs) now you should know because the digital era entertainment 2022 anime of the year is spy family waka waka (laughs) no you do not pronounce the x no by far i saw so many yours and anya's at the convention i the one convention i staffed this year um and of course there's usually a lack of you know male cosplayers when it comes to certain things too so i am very much looking forward to anime boston next year where i will probably be one of very few uh lloyd forgers because his costume is so plain compared to (laughs) your and anya at the same time it's difficult to come across a suit that is that color of green i think that's part of the issue True, true. If, and if he it's had just also a black, very iconic looking. Yeah, that if, if it was a black suit, if it was, you know, even a smoking gray suit or something, I think you'd see a lot yeah. more. I think the trouble true. is that very few cosplayers know how to make a suit jacket and yeah. buying a suit jacket of it's that color <laughs> is very once. difficult. Whereas, expensive. Yeah. yeah. Whereas more cosplayers, perhaps ironically, are want to make uh, the type of outfit that you're or um, well, uh, Anya. your Anya. Why did I blank on Anya's yeah. name for a second? I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I, I was watching it literally earlier today. I watched the finale earlier <laughs> this morning and it just sort of short-circuited. Anyways, that it's such, it, it was the type of show that watching it from episode one, you knew it was something special. It was sort of a question, all right, how special is this? How high up is this going to be at the end of the year? That Even from the first three episodes, I sort of knew, all right, this is top 10 material, easy. And it's just, where does it land? And I think for me, the turning point of when I said, oh, I might be watching the anime of the year right now 
was in episode four or five mm -hmm. when they had the school interview. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> yep. and so just, elegant! <laughs> because that episode was so fun, so wacky. You had the moments of your and Lloyd being spies and diverting this amazing uh, stampede of animals. You had these crazy moments of, all right, Lloyd super prepared. He brought several... Uh, several sets of clothes in case things got dirty. You had the fun uh, teacher, you know, so elegant, but then you got into some serious stuff. Uh, the, the spy interaction of Lloyd trying to navigate the interview and everything. And then you had the emotional gut punch moment, which I won't spoil entirely here, but you know what it is if you saw that episode and just sudden rushes of emotion, not only of, oh my gosh, Anya, we love you, but then the reaction of Lloyd and the realization that even if he doesn't want to admit it yet, he does care. And he doesn't want to admit it yet, but that's part of what makes it the more oh, yeah. powerful, that what he does in that moment was not an act. It was contrarian to his mission, contrarian to his identity as a spy, that was him being a father. Yeah, this is one of those animes where a family is made, and you, s and as Joel said, it's um, it's Lloyd has to make a fake family in order to get to fulfill his mission. He's not supposed to feel these feelings, but he is, and he, in that moment, and it only grows from there. And there was one moment where he's like meeting his handler. And yeah. uh, she like asks, how's it going? And it cuts to him and he's just near dead eyed, super tired. And he's just <laughs> like, uh, it's going well. Anya's she's learned. Uh, she's learned how to speak a little bit of insert fake language here. And, and the hand was going, that's not what I asked. <laughs> it's, and I the aquarium episode. Yeah. There's oh, been God. a lot of found family shows over the years and you know, Found Family Here's is guy super fun, super compelling, but it this is one of those cases I liken it to My Hero Academia that I've always said what makes My Hero Academia so good isn't that it reinvents the wheel, it's that it takes tropes and does them better than anyone else. And mm. Spy Family, it, it gets its own spin on some things. It's, in a way, yeah. its own spin on Found Family. I don't think I've heard of a Found Family situation that is quite like this, but also it it just takes the the moments, the emotions that you expect from a found family show and does them extra well. And then you get, you know, the comedy, the action, the drama, the season finale really yeah. it, it reminds you, hey, this is why we're here. This Cold War is still very real. We've spent perhaps more time than I expected even on Anya and the silly playfulness while getting, you know, just once or the twice an episode reminded. Yeah, but you're you're getting the usual reminders, but the finale was a fantastic finale in that it really finally showed you this is what we're doing here. This this thing that we have been talking about is still very real and gave you just that good little taste of a, a threatening moment, a glance, a a these tiny little things and that you could feel the tension and that it nailed that landing of what I want in a first season finale. And similar to Chainsaw Man, 
I am abundantly confident that this is one that is going to be just, you know, auto greenlit by the studio. It has obviously paid off in terms of the groundswell. The community has taken to it. And I'm looking forward to just following this ride of the Forger family for however long we get to. I do know that greenlit for a season two next year Mm -hmm. and an original movie. Mm -hmm. I was just about to say, yep. (laughs) Um, I'd say I was sold on it with, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that I've been reading the manga. I've been very excited for this, and it does hit all those beats, and it does so good. Um, It's nice to see this in anime form, and I'm excited for more. And as I said earlier, it's like with Lloyd wanting to be a spy or fulfill his mission, in the finale, he acted more like a dad than ever before. And he mm. doesn't know that. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like, oh, yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> there's there's so much coming because, I mean, like, I got my first inkling of that. And, and it was really what tugged at my heartstrings right away uh, had to have been the whole uh, ring heist. And when he takes the uh, grenade pin and gives it to your i choked up i was like oh my god my heart like it only made me want that will they or won't they and like seeing where the found family goes from there like that sold me into it right away seeing lloyd go full-blown father mode in, in the finale of this season only has me deeper invested in it like i am not the kind of person who you know can see myself with the you know and i I mean, this could be a situation like uh, like Joel with uh, Gundam, where I could wind up, you know, eating my words one day about it. But it's like I don't see myself as, you know, having a relationship with with kids and a family and stuff like that. But my God, spy family! If I oh could yeah, have... if the, if the Abenomics, <laughs> uh, you know, mm-hmm. push an anime to say, hey, hey, uh, young adults in Japan, please have kids. Our population is declining. Uh, spy family <laughs> is. I don't think this was one of those shows designed with that intent. There are certain shows that you can almost feel it was designed with the intent of saying, Hey, not even, uh, not even that one. Just, uh, it's sort of a balance, but anyways, kids kids are nice type of concept, you know, (laughs) I don't think that that was a big intent in this one, but I think that, you know, in terms of let's get some compelling arguments and get folks saying, Hey, would you want to have kids that, uh, Spy Family is definitely up there in that uh, it it does a very fun job of taking its many different potential genres, just throwing them together in a pot, stirring things up, and doling things out in good in a good variety that it never feels like it overstays its welcome, and that it manages to balance things. It's the whole package. Spy Family is the 2022 anime of the year for digital era entertainment. And that does it for us. We've gone over today that, uh, you know, it's obviously fine that this being the big one anime of the year stream, I think that it was time well spent. But yeah, if you want to see the full finished polished product, like I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to have the AOTY video. I would say at this point, 75% likelihood having it released on New Year's D. So just two days now from time of broadcast might be a little bit uh, delayed, but I'm still pretty optimistic. And even if it's not New Year's Day, it'll be very, very soon afterwards. So 
keep an eye out for that on our YouTube and be sure to also check out the Kokorona Pro trailer on our YouTube and be sure to follow, subscribe, comment, all that jazz here on Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok, and of course over on YouTube. You can check out our sponsor, Image Anime, at imageanime.com and use the code DISCOUNTSHIP, that is D-E-E-S-C-O-U-N-T-S-H-I-P, for free shipping on orders of $100. And you can get Digital Era Entertainment merchandise from merch.streamelements.com slash digitalerraentertainment. Uh, we are currently figuring out if we're going to be doing any New Year's D festivities, so uh, keep an eye out for that. And uh, obviously join the Discord if you want the most up-to-date information for things of that nature. Uh, I will not be here next week because I'm going to be at MAGFest. So if you're in MAGFest, go to the fourth annual Team Rocket Union meeting because I'm Giovanni and that's going to be fun. Uh, <laughs> if you're not at MAGFest, you can always join Jace and anyone he pulls in for DKI next week. Uh, he's going to have free reign. I don't know what type of arson he's going to get up to, but uh, just make sure that <laughs> any arson you get up to, just put things back together at least, okay? Uh, don't, don't worry. I won't, uh, I won't tear things down that badly. Good, good. Well, once again, thank you all. Have a happy new year. Hope you all enjoyed 2022 anime. There's a lot more to look forward to in the future. So stay safe, stay, stay sane, and we will see you next time on Digital Era Twitch. Happy new year. Happy new year.